Welcome to yet another episode of Clearing the Haze, Making the Invisible Visible, a podcast that discusses topics that are usually invisible or just hazy. I'm your host, Shachi Irte. Please note, this podcast was recorded during the lockdown in the country with limited resources. Therefore, the sound quality at times may not be at its best. We apologize for the same. The messages and stories, however, are clear of the haze and enables inclusion for all. Our segment today is called The Bitter Pill. In this episode, we will discuss on the primary healthcare challenges for women from vulnerable sections of the society. As you know, good health is first essential for survival and then for quality of life. Improvement in health status for the people has often been regarded as an index of social development. Reports also state that the health of a country's female population has profound implications on the health and education of children, the economic well-being of households, as well as good health for women themselves. Our guests today for this discussion are Monalisa Padhye, Head of Women's Wellness at Barefoot College International, and Shruti Ayer, CEO, Foundation of Mother and Child Health. Welcome to this show and let's clear the haze by helping our listeners understand a little more clearly on how they can support women's health and nutrition. Let me start by asking Manalisa and Shruti to share a bit about themselves first and then a bit about the work that their organizations are involved in. Uh, thank you, Sachi. So um, I'm very humbled to be able to share about myself and my organization today. I'm basically from Odisha, but I have been working with Barefoot College International for the last five years, uh, which is based out of uh, Harmada, Rajasthan. But uh, Barefoot College International has presence in 17 states in India through its various programs. And I currently, currently lead the Women Health Initiative, where I work and learn with a group of grassroots leaders and we co-design and implement various um, health-related intervention in the community with a very strong focus on women health programs. And these programs range from awareness and uh, services on sexual and reproductive health. Our nutritional program works around practical approaches to good nutrition in these low resource communities, as well as providing product where one of the product is a traditional product by the community. And also we are entering into the space of health entrepreneurship as well to ensure sustainability of our various programs. So many things your organization is doing, uh, Monalisa. How did you get interested in these areas? So I, I come with a very academic background, but you know, while I was doing academic, I felt that I was very far away from grassroots realities. And I think that was the calling when I, uh, when I decided that I'll go and you know, learn from the communities. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought that, you know, this is where I think I could learn and contribute. And I got interested. And as and when, it's basically listening to the ground needs and work mm-hmm. accordingly with the ground. And I think I followed that approach and that has worked for me so far. So nice, Mona Lisa. You followed your passion of understanding what is happening at the group, grassroots levels, where you are feeling so fulfilled now with the work that you're doing. That's awesome. Shruti, what about your journey? Thanks so much, Ashi, for having me here on this podcast. I am basically from Bangalore. I'm an engineer by qualification. I worked with Infosys for a couple of years. I did the Teach for India Fellowship. Worked in the education sector for about seven years after that. And for the last two years, I have been in the health space. 
it's been a fascinating journey for me to move from uh, the corporate space into the development sector and within the development sector to look at various nuances and currently i lead foundation for mother and child health smch uh, we are an organization based out of mumbai we work with the urban slum we work on maternal and child health specifically in the first 1000 days of the child's life which is from the time the person is pregnant to the time the child is about to the 1000 days is like a very important concept because there are only two phases in the human development when growth mm-hmm. happens very uh, rapidly one is in the 1000 days and the second is in the adolescence oh wow so say uh, if we are able to make sure that children in the first 1000 days are healthy they have good physical growth emotional growth and uh, you know uh, intellectual growth they will perform well in school they will become uh, productive full versions of themselves as adults so that's our aim to make sure that we have healthy mothers and happy families in the urban communities wow shruti an engineer and turned into a health professional i mean look at the way you have traversed your journey amazing and i think maybe we crossed our paths when we were at infosys i am also an ex infosian and i'm a bangalorean <laughs> while well, you are a bangalorean at heart now <laughs> so nice how did you get interested in the first 1000 days of a child uh, you know it's such yeah. an interesting thing that you said first 1000 yeah. days and then the adolescence a lot of focus yeah. is there on the adolescence uh, and the growth at that time but the first 1000 days i typically thought it was first 90 days right right so the first 1000 days actually is a very important in a child's life and it it it's actually surprising that we don't talk enough about it it also cannot be isolated as a child because the first 1000 days starts from when the person is pregnant which means it's also the mother's health and with the mother's health there are many nuances that come into this right because when the person is pregnant it means she needs enough support from the family she needs to have nutritious food she needs to take care she needs to make sure she's got access to antenatal checkup she's got support from the community uh, and all of that ensures that her baby is healthy and she is healthy post that she needs to start uh, you know breastfeeding the child the child is completely dependent on the mother and irrespective of that i think women's health as such is not given the topmost priority in our country of course it is it's it's improving but i think this lack of access lack of knowledge lack of awareness is still a big issue uh, and that's essentially what we want to work on right how do we make sure that there is contextual actionable and timely information for every mother in india right irrespective of where she is from uh, an urban slum a rural community or wherever else that she belongs You know, Shruti, what you said brings me to pick the two points that you spoke about. One is creating awareness, and second is focus. There is so much that one needs to do in a country like ours, where maternal health is not the top priority for many. Mona Lisa, what has been your experience? I mean, you are working really at the grassroots level. Um, I think I think Shruti has brought forward a very important point that you know women health is not prioritized even if you know it's improving uh, in the past five years. I would just bring that the thousand days are very very critical. But what we are trying to do is that we are also looking it at a very you know uh, at a very intersectional approach, in the sense that you know there are gender norms which is preventing women. 
uh, to take care of themselves. The, the families are not supporting. So, you know, how we can work in the community to talk about these issues. So that's one point. Uh, we are also trying to adopt a very life cycle approach. So from adolescence to periconception, which is before pregnancy, is when, you know, if the mother enters into pregnancy with very poor health, what we call as an intergenerational cycle of poor health continues. So instead uh, of looking at just 1,000 days, in some points, we are trying to have a very uh, life cycle approach so that we intervene at very critical stages. Adolescence, preconception, pregnancy, and then child health. And through that, our, our very strong focus has been our awareness program. Very contextual, hyper-local, very actionable, which works with these low-resource communities. So, for example, we cannot go in the communities and say that, you know, you should have a diet which is, has rainbow colors. You can say that you have a tiranga plate. It's very easy for them. Tiranga ka color, you know. Yeah, yeah. Your plate should have these three colors. You know, it makes it very easier for them to adopt. So our approach has been that very contextual, what works for them. And, you know, again, listening to them and understanding the context and make curriculum very inclusive. So one of our priority has been to make this curriculum, which transcends the barrier of literacy. So anyone is able to learn all this and able to go back in the community and motivate other women to follow that. So our approach has been enabling community health leaders with tools and techniques. Yeah. So, you know, very interesting point you brought. You know, first is make it relatable. Instead of calling it a rainbow, use the colors of our Indian flag, which then helps them relate to what different colors you're talking about. Such an un easy and simple way to make that understandable. You know, but along with that, do you also have to kind of understand what kind of superstitions are being followed and how do you break those myths? Those are even more difficult, right? Creating awareness is still much acceptable they can come and listen to you but how do you break those old superstitions what has been your experience both uh, i mean i want to understand at the grassroots level in the rural and in the urban areas so take it on um, i think yeah very aptly pointed out these are very hard to do and you know um, it takes a lot of time so there are diff different myths and maternal but uh, we also work on menstrual health and you know how taboo and stigmatized topic that is you know, first is definitely awareness and constant dialogue with the community to understand where is this myth coming from? You know, what are the actual faith uh, which brings this myth into place? So actually identifying them and then approaching it in a very culturally appropriate way, because uh, then we cannot go and say that this is wrong because then the community is not going to accept it. But to have constant dialogue with them to understand and then give them option that have you thought about this, that the whole idea of women being dirty during uh, menstruation comes from the fact that the blood is dirty. Okay, so if we explain to them what is the blood, how it is a very important component when a mother is pregnant, you know, have that sense, oh, you know, it gives nutrition to the baby. That sense of understanding, you know, we have seen remarkable change. When we, you know, try to explain to them in very simple and also the other thing is bring community leaders, influential leaders to, you know, speak about these issues. We cannot go and speak about it. So our approach has been they speak about these issues in the communities. Then it is very, you know, slow. It takes time. It is not overnight, but yeah. it is well accepted. The influencers really play so much of a role, right? How has been your experience, Ruti? I think this this is a hard question, Sachi. I mean, behavior change is takes time, and as Mona Lisa said, uh, 
you know i think getting influencers making sure that you're you're talking about it in a language that people understand is very important i also feel that at least in maternal and child health what we have seen is all parents want their children to be healthy irrespective of where they come from right and just being able to show data on your children being healthy versus not being healthy makes a huge difference for example when we do the height weight of the child and we tell the parents that look at this this is this is a standard who graph and this is where your child lies versus this is where the child should be even if the child even if the parents are illiterate it's not hard to understand and they get it right so i think just treating them also as equals and using and and everyone wants their children to do well everyone wants families to be happy so that that makes a huge difference in terms of how do you break myths and taboos i think that's the hard one i mean myths and taboos and you know social and cultural norms even things like patriarchy play such an important role women will eat last in the house because mm. that's just how it is uh, which means that they will have less of food which means they'll have only the leftovers and how are we going to how how do we expect these women to be healthy right so these are things that i think it needs to be brought out and like uh, monalisa said this will take years to change not just women like entire families need to be educated about it absolutely i need to be told and it's not that media helps right media continues to propagate the same gender norms that we have been living with like all your advertisements continue to do the same thing so it's an uphill battle but i think we do have wins so you have to be at it there is no other choice i think anything any change that you have to push for small nudges is the way to go and i am reading reports that you know progress that you have made or initiatives like yours have made has taken a beating this last one and a half year or so only because of the pandemic i mean i should not say only because of the pandemic because pandemic has been the biggest disruptor for us in the recent years or recent days how have you coped with the challenges this pandemic has thrown at us so definitely many of the programs have suffered um there is no i think uh, yeah there is no other thought to this but then i also feel at the same time that the development sector is very re- resilient and with its fighting attitude it are very adaptive so we have what we call as this sakhis on the ground uh, which are you know women trained in our health programs in our enrich program in our digital literacy program so through them we quickly moved on to our digital platforms they were connected to us through various whatsapp groups and you know through that we started to you know have what is happening because you know um, it is a time where very limited personal interaction is possible but then they are there in the communities and they were able to convey to us that what is the need on the ground there was uh, you know lot of information not only on covid but also on other things like on maternal um, and child health you know if someone is covid positive can see breastfeed things like that there was not enough information reaching out to them so we quickly started making small animated bite-sized videos like one minutes video giving you information and we started sending it out in our whatsapp groups we also made sure that we continue our program on menstrual health and sexual and reproductive health rights and awareness via this network because you know that's that's one way but at the same time we understand that not everyone have access to smart and for that we started the ivr 
up call system so it's an interactive voice responsive system people can call ask questions if they have some grievances we'll try to point them to a right direction so okay. that has been and because with the women in there in the community and a lot of our programs are being run very locally for example mm-hmm. access to sanitary pads that affected mm-hmm. a lot you know but we had programs which were run by the women in the community so they were able to deploy we okay. had a nutritional program in the community and because the women were in the community they were provided all the safety kits and they were able to you know deploy these programs and just like to add one more thing and how digital literacy is so much important at this moment of digital divide and i i think that with the french institute india they have invited us to start a digital literacy program uh, through its jaipur annex for a group of marginalized women over there as well so yeah bringing out the importance of digital literacy at the moment you know i was just thinking india is such a jugaad country <laughs> right smartphones are not there no problem we will find another solution we'll go the ivr way okay people are not very literate no problem we will create small videos where they have to just listen to it and watch it and in so many ways the digital media is so easily understandable accessible at the same time the infrastructure is so sad that we have to go again and again to try and help and see what alternate methods can be used right and shruti i also read about uh, simple impactful solutions you have come up with you know to solve a lot of these challenges can you share some of those with us please yeah so uh, we use technology very extensively uh, at the uh, fmcs as well we uh, during the pandemic we rolled out an app called as a nutri app which helps uh, frontline workers counsel the mothers even during the lockdown so it is it is meant to do counseling face to face however during the lockdown we again like you said you know this this whole jugaad thing we we did it on the phone some of our frontline workers very similar to what we were saying up to the same community which makes although there's a lockdown outside i think this working within the community makes it easier mm-hmm. so they were still able to go and we were in touch with our frontline workers it's a decision tree app uh, one of the challenges in india with respect to counseling is the quality of the frontline worker especially in the first 1000 days the kind of information that goes out in the first month during pregnancy where the mother needs to know about antenatal checkup and what she should be eating versus what goes out in the ninth month versus what goes out once the child is born once the child is 6 months everything is different add to that the diversity of the country right so it it becomes very very complex Uh, especially in a place like mumbai where in one lane you will have migrants from up another one from tamil nadu another one from andhra so the frontline worker just there are so many variables that she needs to have so we were thinking okay how do we support her best at this point and that's when we developed this app and it's been it's been fantastic like we've seen mothers have we've, we've been like the first point of contact for mothers during the lockdown Uh, in terms of support uh, what do i feed my child uh, how do i get access to take home ration uh, we've also been coordinating constantly with the government because we realize we are not going to be there forever so how do we make this sustainable so the you know the anganwadi we work with the anganwadi and the asha very closely to make sure that they're able to provide the services once we move up so that that's what we have been uh, sort of working at i think the other bit that is extremely sort of at the heart of everything that we do is data all this data that is being collected we have a dashboard that is used to analyze that we also share all of this data with the local government to tell them that listen at this houses you have particularly high risk families 
Mm-hmm. So is there something that we can do about it? In in an area, you'll probably have 10% high risk families, and I think that is what you need to focus on to make sure that the maternal and child health indicators improve. So it's a it's really about cracking those a few data points and looking at it from a very scientific perspective. Wow, there are so many parallels one can draw in how things happen in the corporate world and how things are happening in the non-corporate world. Both the places, the most important fact is data. Yeah. I mean, if you recollect, Narayan Murthy always used to say, "In God we trust." Rest Everyone else data. gets data to the table. <laughs> yes, and that is what I'm hearing you say as well, saying that you want to make improvements, get your data right, and then we can make progress and make improvements. You know, listening to both of you, I'm so what do you say? I'm getting goosebumps saying the kind of impact you people are making. I'm sure there are some excellent stories that you can share on how you changed. somebody's life while yeah you are impacting hundreds and thousands of lives but is there a story that has stuck with you which said that yeah this was something i'm very proud of or even i'm very happy that you know this is the kind of impact the work that i have done and hence i want to share yeah so there is one story whenever i narrate i i always get emotional uh, and it warms my heart so much so this is a story of radha and radha is a disabled woman and unfortunately she had lost uh, a newborn baby uh, two years back um radha got enrolled in one of our digital program and our antenatal program which we implemented in partnership with another organization so basically because she was high risk we ensure that with the support of asha and anm because we have localized health leaders the first step was to make sure that all her antenatal checkups are done and then for high risk it's multiple you know mm-hmm. antenatal checkup needs to be done but in addition to that what was most effective for her was that she started getting these calls which we were sending with which will help her to know at every week what is happening with her what is happening mm-hmm. with her baby how she needs to take care of herself better right. how she needs to be better prepared and this one she was not only listening herself uh, she was also listening um, and the husband was also listening so both okay. radha and sumit both were listening and on on their mother in law's phone so you know oh, it, wow. it became like like a family listening to this call these are called amitra calls by arman another organization and uh, because they knew that she is high risk and she needs to be admitted in the hospital before her due date like you know just near to her due date they made sure they did that they had their fears and all but they took all the possible steps and thankfully now radha is a mother to a beautiful girl everything is you know well with the family and you know when she has narrated to me about you know how she felt she told that didi ek dost mujhe call karke bol rahi thi aur aapki jo sakhi thi mujhe roz aake iske bare mein batati so in english she felt as if there is a friend and a community network supporting her um so it it really warms my heart just seeing the picture of a baby on my whatsapp and you know and then it's it's like a ripple effect now the family knows the value of these you know keeping in constant touch listening to this call and they are now sending this messages around the community that you know you must uh, listen to these calls you shouldn't drop the call when you get this call because these are really important so you know they have now become the messenger of these programs in the community creating a very ripple effect so yeah wow such beautiful story thank you for sharing monalisa and these people i'm sure they will influence so many more young mothers or families and especially in indian household mother in law is such a strong figure and if the mother in law has bought into this entire thing she is going to definitely make sure there are 10 other mother in laws if not more they also listen to this and accept and definitely. the change will happen yes. shruti 
I want to hear your impactful story. I think as as Mona Lisa started off, right? There are just so many stories of impact, and uh, you know, our, our website is always filled with before after pictures. But I think for me personally, the most inspiring part is really our field workers, our frontline workers. I am mm-hmm. always so inspired by them. So all our frontline workers are women from the same communities that we work in. Especially, I want to speak about two things that really stand out to me. One is their leadership and their journey. So they join us sometimes as a lot of the communities that we work in are Muslim communities, which means that most times this is the first time they've gone out, and families are reluctant to send them out to work. Right? Okay. For them to come out and take charge of their lives, right? The first earning that goes to them. It is beautiful to see the kind of empowerment that they feel, and you know, after two years, they come back and say, "Ma'am, may I be आगे पढ़ना चाहती हूँ? I want to study. I want to do a master's in uh, social work. So bachelor's in social work. And they want to finish their tenth and twelfth standards, right? For me, that is so inspiring. The other thing that, like, and most recently, which is like super tangible, is that inspired me is you know, the last year, as I told you, we rolled out the app. Mm-hmm. These are all women who. probably didn't do whatsapp calls before the pandemic right and once we rolled out the app they are doing a screen share on zoom and telling me ma'am this app is not working and this is exactly what is wrong can you tell me how to fix this right and i'm just mind blown at the the, the if you give people the opportunity the chance to and the right tools mm-hmm. people can do wonders right i'm amazed at the potential and it always inspires me Uh, to see what the frontline staff can do wow look at the ripple effect no you started with nutrition for child and mother and where you have moved now along with the original plan is to empower women and also inspire and as- make them aspire to become big wow such wonderful yeah. jobs you know along with this heartwarming stories most of us also struggle with the frustrations when things don't go well i mean it's part of every job there are some aha moments there are success there are sadness and there are frustrations what is that one thing which frustrates you and you kind of want to shake somebody and say can't you get it or i wish this thing was not there and i could have done much better anything shruti maybe you should go ahead first i no i i have a whole list of this but i'm going to keep this one <laughs> short right so you know I'll, i'll tell you what right during this pandemic i was talking to, to to my managers and to the field staff and i was asking them like how are you guys doing this emotionally etc and how is our community doing someone said something that really stayed with me they said this doesn't make a difference to the community right the second wave of the pandemic doesn't make a difference to the community and i was like what do you mean they said this is their everyday uh-huh. right and i was amazed at that like imagine you know the, the kind of and at for context to those who don't know we went through a very bad second wave i think all of us uh, in india uh, know what what the second wave was i think everyone knows at least one person who passed away in the yeah. family or friend circle it was horrible like no beds government giving wrong data no oxygen like just a complete collapse of the infrastructure and we felt it because we have always had access to an uh, you know an apollo or a fortis or a private hospital yeah but for the poor in india this is their everyday right two mothers give birth on one hospital bed it is not any different right and that really stayed with me so i think the one thing that really frustrates me is no matter what we do i think without political will without all of us coming together and really making a change we could all do things and the needle will move by 
one small inch but to make that big shift i think we really need to come together as a community we need to come together uh, and multiple players right not just ngos ngos government corporate donors everyone needs to come together to make that big shift and i don't know what what that will take i think the second wave especially that hit india became an eye opener while everybody knew about it but they really yeah. didn't acknowledge it in any yeah. way i hope that things will change for the better after acknowledging and understanding the real pain and challenges of a common person in india it's really sad but then yeah i don't want to dwell much on that because i'm looking at uh, moving forward anyways monalisa you have any other first, anything similar to share i think yeah i mean shruti has you know <laughs> talked about the elephant in the room but um, there is one just quick point is what we i really get frustrated when uh, we receive support for short term programs and you know you are asked to change attitude behavior practices in the communities in that right. three months <laughs> this this is just you know you just you know will you can just create content what is relevant for them by the three months and have one set of workshop and you cannot expect us to change the entire community will change in this three months you know so long term sustainable program so if with the government with the donor with with various foundation ngos all need to you know the ngos definitely want to run longer term programs but what we are sometimes given are very short term programs uh, which i just feel just touches the surface and there is lot to be done benefit so that's that one thing that frustrate me so much and and the whole lot of focus on you know very tangible ki product de do and you think that the you know problem is solved uh, awareness are difficult behavior change are difficult we need more support yeah. in that area so yeah that's very rightly said do you also tie up with the other students or interns who are interested to support so that uh these programs can be spread wide across much easily or is that something which is frowned upon by the community people i think definitely we do have you know internal i mean i started my journey as a fellow uh, i was a youth for india fellow which is run by state bank of india as a csr initiative so uh-huh. you know and then uh, one i think uh, yeah definitely for all the programs intern students are welcomed i think one thing i would say that i think what i did mistake i thought that i knew everything and i'm going in the community to teach people no you go in the community and you learn so much you receive much more than what you can contribute so go with that uh, attitude of you know learning and it, it will be a wonderful journey of on learning and most of our programs invite people to support us in these programs okay great that will bring a lot more understanding of what are the challenges in the grassroots yes yeah. you operate from mumbai right and because we are remote right now and this is again it's it's a very subtle pinch, pitch uh, pitch to all our listeners if anybody would like to volunteer or intern with us we would love to have people on board i think uh, different people get different uh, ideas which helps us evolve our programs apart from uh, uh, them learning i think we also get to learn a lot when we have different ideas come in and like i said we can't solve this alone we need more people yes. so join us start off maybe as an intern and see you'll fall in love with this space it's a great problem to solve okay so this has become a nice pitch for you as well let's hope that there are our listeners who get motivated to reach out to you uh, i'm sure uh, once the details are published on the websites of the podcast they can happily reach out to you since you've kept an open offer for all the interns to reach out 
that's nice any insights or any other things that you would like to share as key message for our listeners today one thing that i would like to say irrespective of where you are and what you do you can be a part of this change and i think it, it starts with realizing why it is important to support women's health in your own family identify where women's health is not being supported you know if if you if you're privileged enough to have domestic help and uh, you know security people uh, who are working with you start from there and i think another thing is donate like donate to a cause that's close to your heart it will it will really really help this is the time when indian civil society needs needs help most so definitely and something that a, a mentor once told me right give till it hurts and i keep i keep telling everybody that like really give till it hurts this is when we all need to come together we need to make sure that things get better we cannot afford another second wave uh, sort of a situation in india i think whatever you can one can help however you can one can help absolutely Just focus on what you can do and it's not always money there are so many different exactly. ways one can actually support uh, yeah. each other to uplift yeah. another human being 100% make connections give time give money whatever it is but give till it hurts thank you so much shruti for sharing that monalisa yeah i think uh, just picking up from where shruti has mentioned so i think uh, with this current covid the situation in rural india is really bad i mean it's it's not getting enough of data coming out from rural india so we don't know what's happening at least the people outside don't know what's happening but we know in northeast the cases have risen in various part you know there are no testing facilities so it's the time that you know we 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 donate we donate in kind in money but we also advocate we advocate mm-hmm. that you know this is a very grim reminder i don't know how many times we need reminder but you know the health system in these rural in urban some it's it's there is no infrastructure there are no doctors like we were doing teleconsultation and you know some the doctor was asking ki you know bukhar hai to kitna temperature hai kya pata no there is no temperature you know there is no thermometer available so you know this basic like we talk talking about oxygen and beds this basic oximeter thermometers which are very essential are not there so you know this is the time everyone who has who are privileged just donate and you know the people over there need all of us at the moment so it's time just look around whichever there are many incredible organization like ci like fmc is doing incredible work on the ground just support them as best as you can thank you monalisa and this is such a beautiful reminder for all of us saying that everybody needs somebody whether you are in the city whether you are in the village whether you are educated whether you are uneducated health is of primary importance and that too of maternal health because she is end of the day supporting the next generation and so ensuring that her health is taken care of she is fed well she is looked after well is such an important thing also with the corona virus pandemic make sure that you are able to contribute in whatever way you can Thank you so much Monalisa and Shruti for being our guest today. Have a wonderful time. Thank you Sachi. It was lovely speaking with you. Thank you for listening in. For this episode, we would like to thank our two guests, Monalisa Padhe and Shruti Iyer. Sanjana Sarkar, Director French Institute in India from Jaipur. The French Embassy, the French Institute and the Alliance Francis Network in India for producing the show. A special thanks to Heman Sarang and his team for their advice and technical support. Please do subscribe and review the show 
available on various podcasting platforms and on the website afindia.org forward slash podcast. Listen in to the voices that are often invisible but powerful enough to clear the haze.